Hey, if you're in uh, middle school or high school, where are you right now? All right, you're my people. Thank you for sitting here. I appreciate it. You're in the splash zone. You're not going to get wet this morning. I promise. Hey, it is good to be here this morning. I'm happy to be here. Um, I pray for your church often, actually. And I am, I, when I do, I thank God for your partnership in the gospel here in central Illinois. So, um, yeah, on behalf of Grace Church, I know they're praying for, you, for us this morning. Um, thank you. It's a privilege to serve Christ with you in central Illinois. Before, this morning we're going to be actually talking about friendship. You're in the middle of a series, or the end of a series, right? Called It's Complicated. How many of you have been here for at least three weeks? You've, you've seen the service. This is the last one, I think, right? Good, I'm glad. I don't know if I'm glad. You might not be. We'll find out. Um, anyway, we're going to be doing a survey of the book of Proverbs about friendship this morning. So before we get into um, what I have prepared, I want to read God's words to us because they're 100% better. Um, so this is, these are um, nine different Proverbs that we're going to consider this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp arrow. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I'll give it when you have it with you. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. Oil and perfume make the hearts glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Whoever blesses his neighbor in the, with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. This is God's word for God's people. Pray with me. Father, we need your help today in our friendships. We need your help because uh, with, without you we are helpless. So I ask this morning that the words of my mouth and the thoughts and intentions of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. I ask that you would open our eyes to see the glories of God revealed in the person of Christ through your word this morning. For your glory, for the good of your church, and for our joy, we ask these things. Amen. C.S. Lewis, in his famous little book called The Four Loves, made an important observation about friendship. Friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art, like the universe itself. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which gives value to survival. J.R.R. Tolkien was one of those friends who gave so much value to um, Lewis's own life. He is famous for writing The Lord of the Rings. Maybe you've heard of it. I'm going to argue that it is the greatest piece of literary art in the last 150 years. My, um, my 10-year-old son thinks Dogman takes that spot, but I don't agree with him. Um, throughout the books or the movies, if you don't read books, <laughs> you know who I'm talking to. <laughs> you see all kinds of characters develop, right? Frodo gets the spotlight as he carries the ring, but the story's not really about Frodo. 
Aragorn is the most heroic character, but it's not his story either. Gandalf the White, or Gandalf the Grey, as the plot develops, um, seems to be the greatest agent of change, but it's not really his story either. Sauron is the ever-present antagonist as in the narrative, but this is not his story. What one discovers as you make it through the books or as you watch the movies, almost by accident, is that the end of this epic trilogy is Samwise Gamgee, hmm. Frodo's faithful friend. Through thick and thin, Sam sticks with his friend. He encourages him when he's down. He defends him when he's beaten and helpless. He carries him when he can't walk anymore. He shoulders his burden when he's lost all energy. In the end, Sam actually picks up his friend and carries him into Mount Doom to complete his terrible task. Sam is not particularly strong or wise or winsome. His name, Samwise, actually is an old English word for half-wise or simple. He doesn't, bring, he doesn't bring any great skill or resources to the aid of Frodo on his terrible quest. But he's with him and he's for him, even though nothing in the plot line seems to be about him. Do you have a friend like that? Maybe more directly, are you a friend like that? This series is called It's Complicated, right? Because real life relationships are complicated creatures. They kind of run around. We need wisdom to navigate life's complexities. Wisdom Maybe a definition that would be helpful is knowledge rightly applied to the complexities of life. But wisdom is not less than knowledge, but it is far more than knowledge. This kind of knowing that the Bible talks about includes technical skill and ethical clarity and intimate knowledge and well-rounded experience. It's the same word that is used to describe um, how Adam knew his wife that produced a family, and it's the same word that's used to describe those who were called to, those craftsmen who were filled with the Spirit and called to make the articles of, uh, for worship in the tabernacle. It's a massively important word in the Old Testament. Proverbs is a book of the Bible dedicated to helping us walk in wisdom throughout all of life's complexities. And this morning, we're going to spend our time considering what the book of Proverbs has to say about this all-important subject called friendship. When we talk about friendship, we usually focus on how to make friends or how to keep friends, right? That's what your parents told you when you went to kindergarten. Go make friends. Or they drop you off at the playground and say, go find a friend. And then, as we get older, we work really hard not just at finding friends, but at keeping friends. And we're not really sure how to keep friends because they're complicated. Our culture has probably never been more connected and isolated at the same time. We are, we are people who have gutted the idea of friendship from all significant meaning. But Proverbs focuses on how to identify friends, what to value in friends, 
and the art of being a friend. So here's our timeline. How do I identify our timeline? Outline. Outline. It could be a timeline too. How do I identify a friend? What to value in a friend? How to be a friend. How do I identify a friend? What to value in a friend? How to be a friend. There's our outline. Should be helpful, I think. It's from God's word, so it should be. How do I identify a friend? Most of us get friendship wrong because we start off in the wrong place. We start off looking for friends. But friendship is different from other relationships. It doesn't work that way. It's a love that grows between two fellow travelers. So Lewis, again in Four Loves, says this. Friendship arises out of mere companionship. When two or more of the companions discover that they have, a common, they have in common some insight or interest or even a taste which others do not share and which until that moment each believed to be his own unique treasure or burden. The typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, what, you two? I thought I was the only one. There's a bond that can only form between two people who find their lives committed to a common road on which they feel all alone. A group of soldiers becomes a band of brothers laying in the mud of the same battlefield. Two moms become sisters in the halls of St. Jude with their kids battling for their lives. Lewis goes on. It is when two such persons <clears throat> discover one another, when, whether with immense difficulties and semi-articulate fumblings or with what would seem to be an amazing and elliptical speed, they share their vision. It is then that friendship is born, and instantly they stand together in immense solitude. So, the first part of identifying friends is not to go looking for them, but to look around and befriend those who are on the road with you. They have been providentially placed in your proximity. So, we're going we're gonna to see this in Proverbs 18.24 to start with. Proverbs 18.24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The first thing that some of us need to realize is that friendship is more than being present, but it does require personal presence. We need to redeem our understanding of friendship from Facebook and recognize that friends are close enough to be in the details of our uncurated lives. Here, a friend is distinguished from a multitude of companions. Companions may be with you on the road, but they're not for you in life's journey. So every year, I watch middle schoolers and high schoolers, guys in particular, um, rotate through friends based on whatever the season is. Um, they have football friends and basketball friends and church friends and camp friends and baseball friends and band friends and Fortnite friends and all sorts of friends, but few of them have any friends who are close enough to really know them. Now, let's not pretend that this is an adolescent issue. The truth is, is that many of us are very careful to separate our lives 
so that we are not too well known, so that even those who are close to us cannot truly know us. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, the thing is, they may have many companions, but no friends. And so when they get cut from the team, or when you get fired from the job, or when their parents split up, or when your parents die, or when they head to college, they come to ruin because no one knew them well enough. No one's close enough. Friendship requires personal presence. But it's not defined by personal presence. Friendship is disarmingly kind. Disarmingly kind. Now we love this so long as, well, we love this most of the time. Proverbs 25, 18. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp arrow. Those are not kind things. A friend, though, is disarmingly kind. She prefers silence to public criticism because she seeks her friend instead of seeking to be right. She wants to win her friend more than the argument, and so she refuses to weaponize information to manipulate a situation because she knows that something, just because she knows something about someone does not mean that others need to know that she knows, or even know what she knows. There's a lot of no's in there. A friend is present. A friend is disarmingly kind. A friend is generous. Proverbs 3, 28. Do you say to your neighbor, go and come again? Or do not say to your neighbor, go and come again? Maybe we should ask, do you say to your neighbor? Don't say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow, I'll give it, when you have it with you. See, a friend is genuinely generous, willingly giving of his own stuff for the benefit of his friend. So neighbor and friend, there's, there's about two or three words used for friend in, uh, in the book of Proverbs, and one of them is sometimes translated neighbor because of the proximity thing, right? A friend is close, also called neighbors. There we go. That was free. Um, selfishness is the antithesis to generosity. A friend is not just open to conversation. He's not just open to collaboration. A friend is open with his stuff. Right? There's a difference between philanthropy and generosity. Philanthropy says this, um, you can have what I have left over. I've got extra, I will give it. Generosity says you can have the first and the best. A friend opens their pantry, and their home. They hold their gifts with open fingers. I try to teach my kids this truth by saying, I ask questions to them periodically, and one of them is, um, what do we do with gifts? Why does God give us good gifts? And the answer is, to give them away. Can I just say that some of us will start with me, because I don't know you, so... Some of us, though, are stingy with our stuff. Generosity is the normal means by which God gives his gifts to his people. Like what you did at Christmas with your six-year-old. You both went to the store, 
right? And you helped your son pick out a gift for his mom. Then you paid for it. He carried it out and gave it to her. You gave the gift, but his name was on the card. Hey, God gives good gifts so that we can share them with others, so that we can share in his joy. So a friend is present, a friend is disarmingly kind, a friend is generous, a friend is constant, constant. Now this is an, this is an old kind of fuddy-duddy word, right? Constant. But Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now I got to tell you, my mind kind of twisted with this one for a little while as I was, as I was studying it, and then it kind of like, I had a light bulb moment, and it went off, and I'm like, oh, I get it. So I hope this is helpful to you. Understand that what he's saying is that a good friend is better in some ways than family. Now that sounds strange, and it sounded even stranger to the people who got it first because they had a much higher view of family than we do in our culture. But this is pointing out that family has to help you. They don't have to like you. Right? And y'all know it. Uh, but a friend chooses to stick by you out of no obligation to you. See, a friend loves at all times. Not just on holidays or when you hit rock bottom. See, you don't have to wait until you have no one else to call to call your friend. Because they're there. Or as Jake Scott says, the best days or the worst days, love is the Tuesdays. How many of you know that song? Any of you know that song? Oh, come on. This was like a great cultural reference and nobody gets it. I I had to look up the song because I didn't even know it, but it was at a wedding once. It was great. All right, look it up. Jake Scott, love is the Tuesdays, or Tuesdays, I think is what it's called. Okay, love our... um, Friends are present, disarmingly kind, generous, constant, and surgically severe. Surgically severe. Proverbs 27.6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. See, if a friend is disarmingly kind, he is also surgically severe. See, a true friend loves her friend more than the friendship. She's neither a coward nor unkind. Whereas an enemy uses her words to wound or to maim, a friend uses her words to wound and heal. See, really, an enemy is seeking her own survival at the expense of others. A friend is seeking the survival of her friend and is willing to lose the friendship in order to save her friend. You know, assassins and surgeons both use knives. That's helpful to remember when we have conversations, isn't it? A friend is present, a friend is disarmingly kind, a friend is generous, a friend is constant, a friend is surgically severe, and a friend is gracious. I like this one. 
Proverbs 22:11. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. See, a friend is not only honest, a friend is gracious. Does not delight in wounding his friend, but delights in his friend enough to be willing to say hard things to him. Therefore, his words, even his hard words, are gracious and they're couched in goodwill and delivered with love. I always think of my friend Matt from college when I think about this. Because there are few people in my life who have been so consistently gracious to me than my friend Matt. See, a friend's motives are proven over time. Kings have lots of people who call them friend, but have far fewer people whom they trust to be their friend. The greater your position or your influence or your wealth, the more you will come to value a friend whose motives are pure and whose speech is gracious. A friend is presence. A friend is disarmingly kind. A friend is generous. A friend is constant. A friend is surgically severe. A friend is gracious. A friend is wise. Proverbs 27.9, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. So the commentaries uh, point out that um, in the ancient world, high fructose corn syrup wasn't a thing. It's not how they say it, but um, sweetness was something that you discovered in food. You didn't like make things sweet. In the same way, the sweetness of a friend is not discovered in his or her proximity, but in the wisdom that he or she brings into your life. So a friend is able to help you navigate the complex situations of life because they're close enough to know the details. They're, they're far enough away to have some perspective and they've been around long enough to be trusted. You see, some of us, some of us can't, we, there, are all, there are going to be times in your life, if they haven't been already, there's going to be times in your life when you don't know what to do because you're so close to a situation that you just can't see. Right? Maybe, maybe you're, you're in difficulty with your spouse, and you guys are like this all the time. And the truth is, is that you don't know what to do because you're so close to it that as soon as you step in the door, the tension's there, your back foot's planted, you're ready to take a punch, and you're checking for exits. Right? And you need, you need someone close enough to you who loves you. To come around beside you and to help you see. You need that. Some of you are going to be in situations in your life and you, you just, you don't know what to do with your kid because you're parenting this kid and you don't know what, to do. like you're at wit's end. And you need someone who's outside, right, who wasn't up till three in the morning, who can come by and who can give you a little bit of direction. Say hard things and gracious things. We need friends to help us navigate complex situations in life. Additionally, they're able to deliver that wisdom in a way that it can be understood, that it can be valued, because there's no doubt 
that they have your best interest in mind. All right. Hey, a friend is also tactful. Tactful. Proverbs 27, 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as a curse or counted as cursing. So here's the point. A friend doesn't just like you. They know you. It only took me like six years to figure this out with my wife that um, I like to get up earlier than she does in the morning and I like to welcome the day maybe loudly. I learned that it is kind to welcome her, but it is prudent to wait till after she's had coffee. Or better yet, to welcome her with the miel from breaking grounds with almond milk. Much better. See, a friend comes to know his friend inside and out and is able to know when to be silly and when to stay silent. When to show up when they're told to stay away and when to stay away even when they're told to come on over. That that's not easy to do, right? That requires intimate knowledge and experience. Finally, a friend is vulnerable. Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Derek Kidner, in his incredibly helpful commentary on Proverbs, notes this. It happens that the strongest term for a friend or an ally, or close companion, usually occurs in the Old Testament in situations of betrayal or estrangement. It's as if it is to remind us that the closest friendships need guarding, but it also reminds us of what friendship will inevitably cost. Friendships require us to willingly make ourselves vulnerable. Back to C.S. Lewis for a second. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to keep, make sure to keep it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. See, the Bible is not naive to the realities of life east of Eden. Proverbs is acutely aware of the real dangers associated with real friendship. When Carrie and I started talking about marriage, and some of you have probably had a similar experience, we found ourselves withdrawing from one another. As we opened up to one another, we became increasingly vulnerable with one another, and that's scary. During those few months of intense conversations, we continually challenged one another over and over again to love deeply, knowing full well that we were opening ourselves up to be deeply hurt. Trusting that the other person was worth the risk and the wounds. See, you and I are made for deep, personal, vulnerable relationships. 
because we're made in the image of God who exists in perfect, eternal, Trinitarian friendship. When we engage in vulnerable friendships with one another, we dimly reflect the glory of God in whose image we are made. But more than that, when we willingly enter into vulnerable, vulnerable relationships with people whom we know will sin against us, we illustrate the gospel. You see, at the center of the gospel, we find God in Christ, totally vulnerable, betrayed, abandoned, crucified by the people whom he came to befriend. So that when, so that we would not only know about God, but that we would know the depth of his love and be reconciled to him in eternal friendship. See, a friend makes himself vulnerable to his friends, not out of some sort of naivety, but, or, but by the means of a willful choice to be known. See, perhaps the greatest reflection of real friendship is the selfless choice to willingly bear the wounds of betrayal. And, conversely, for the one who has done the wounding, to humble himself in repentance and seek to be reconciled to his friend. For in this reflection, we see an illustration of God's friendship with us. See, what is the value of a friend? And this is super, super short. What stands out in these passages is that we have looked at today is that a friend values the friend more than the friendship. What does that mean? It means that friendship is predicated on self-forgetfulness. Most people enter into relationships with others for what they can get out of it. Now, sometimes that's important, right? You can't build a business without networking. Right? And these are not wrong friendships, but they're different from friendships. Um, a friend is different from a teammate or a coworker. She's not focused on what she can get out of the relationship or what the relationship does for her. A real friend wants what is really best for her friend. So that leads us to our final point of how to be a friend. First, we need to know the importance of friendship. Remember what Lewis says at the beginning? Friendship is unnecessary. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which give value to survival. We are made by God in the image of God to know God, reflect God, and find our greatest joy in him. And this is the God who exists in eternal friendship. We are not made to live alone. We're made for friendship with God and those who are made in his image. It is the complicated stuff of relationships that give meaning and value and significance to life. Second, we need to befriend wisdom. This is really the, the, the focus of the whole book of Proverbs. Proverbs 7, 4 says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. Wisdom is personified in Proverbs and is characterized by being present, always calling out and inviting, disarmingly kind, seeking the well-being of others, able to discern motives. Tactful. Understanding all of life's seasons, aware of the needs of others, and ultimately, 
wisdom willingly, even happily, opens herself up over and over again to those fools who will inevitably take her friendship for granted and betray her trust. Not because she is naive or desperate, but rather because she is a friend. She's not trying to find friends or to make friends. She's utterly self-forgetful in that regard. Though Samwise was thought to be dull, Sam was the friend to Frodo that wisdom is to us. See, we began by speaking of a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That was the first proverb that we read. But which of us is such a friend? Who in here is that kind of a friend? See, we listen like, man, that'd be nice. And then we look at ourselves and we're like, that's hard. The reality is that we fail to find the friends we need because we fail to be the friends we seek. See, in Matthew 11, Jesus is shown to be wisdom in the flesh. In Proverbs, wisdom is personified. In Matthew, in Jesus, wisdom is incarnated. He befriended the sick and the lame and the forgotten and the imprisoned and the outcast. He had hard words for unrepentant priests and a soft heart for repenting prostitutes. Jesus, the king of the universe, is called the friend of sinners. In John 15, on the night that he was to be betrayed, with a kiss of an enemy who called him friend, he looked at the disciples who would soon abandon him and said, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. See, before any of us can truly be a friend like the Bible talks about, we must first be befriended by the friend to whom the Bible points. It is from the security of this never stopping and unrelenting, self-denying friendship that we are empowered to befriend others without the insatiable need of approval and acceptance. If you are not settled in friendship with God, then you will not be able to open the door to be a self-forgetful friend to those who are made in his image. For you will always be demanding that they fill your needs. You must first be befriended by wisdom, by Jesus, if you are to successfully walk with him through the complexities of life. So finally, we need to know the importance of friendship. We need to be friend wisdom. We need to be a friend to those who are near. Don't go looking for friends. Be a friend to those who are near you. As you are going, look around and see who is on that road with you. They have been providentially placed in your proximity. Samwise was able to be a friend to Frodo because he was not preoccupied with himself, but with the needs of his friend. Jesus is the greatest friend because his life was centered on doing the will of his father and giving his life up for his people. 
Friendship will only come when you orbit around the God who made you, befriended you, holds you fast. Then you will be able to be free of yourself. Free to self-forgetfully and boldly and graciously and tactfully and honestly and generously and vulnerably befriend those that are in your proximity. Pray with me. Father, we need your help. Um, we are, I ask that you would first help us to see the brokenness of our lives. We have not always been good friends. And some people in here need to go find people to repent to today. Help us to repent to you. Turn around. Admit where we are wrong. And seek reconciliation and forgiveness. Father, I ask that you would grow us in our vulnerability and in our self-forgetful love for one another. Help us to love those you've placed in our proximity. And I ask that, that our friendships would illustrate in our lives the gospel that we preach with our mouths. So that we would not be a stumbling block to those whom you are calling to yourself. For your glory, for the good of your church, and for our joy, we ask these things. Amen.